You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. 40 years old. This is Emeritus Rex with Rabbi Ruben Yeshua Buko of Beth Israel, Beth Aaron. We know that here we are in the uh, Seris Mechuba, the precipice of Yom Kippurim. Um, and interestingly, the Jewish world, in New York at least, and maybe upstate where you are in Beth Israel, Beth Aaron, and Coke St. Luke, is watching something, not just watching their mitzvahs, Averus, making sure that every single day they do their mea brochis and their makayim mitzvahs ketikunam to make sure that they will say hamapil and not speak afterwards. People are checking their phones, trying to figure out, will Aaron Judge, will he break Maris's record? As of this recording, he has tied Maris in maybe less games than Maris accomplished that feat in 1961. What's interesting, Rabbi Pufko, is that a person, a very dear friend of mine, called me up this morning to say, Mazel Tov, Rabbi Kivilevich, I had a granddaughter, and, and she was born right after Judge hit that, that home run. <laughs> in the same sentence, and a very wonderful friend of mine, right? Which is interesting to me. Not only does it show that baseball, although we sort of buried baseball a number of weeks ago as sort of like the nostalgic old-timers game, uh, what's interesting is, is that this somehow fascinates people, this, this, this striving for the record of actually being able to eclipse what it stood for so long. And, and, and I wonder, you know, I, I, I'm reminded of a story of the great Menachem Mendel of Kotsk, that uh, when he was a young man, uh, he, was, he, he acted in a way that people couldn't understand uh, his intensity and the extent of his type of Vedas Hashem. And one time a person came over to him when he was a teenager and said to him, yeah, Mendel, who's mainstay? Is this aggressive in the Baal Shem you think that, that you're bigger than the Baal Shem Tev, like, like what you're doing? He says, Ver And of course, and you can really take that to, to another level. You know, in many ways, I think that as, as, as we extol our, our families, we extol our parents, extol our, our teachers, in many ways, we look at their closeness to Sinai, their closeness to Messiah. You and I on this program have talked about how how essential and real their lives were and how it represented authentic Judaism. And I think we can maybe use judges um, uh, going for this record without the help of anabolic steroids in his, in, his, in his veins to give him pumped up muscles as sort of a, a metaphor of, of pushing towards... Astonishing that this record has stood for so long. Uh, it stood since, uh, it's what is it now? 60 years. 60, over 60, 60 years. Uh, 61 years. 61 years the record has stood. The same number as the record, right? It stood for 61 years. 61 for 61. And for the record, um, people were angry about Babe Ruth's record being uh, being shattered. Uh, they didn't give him full credit. They gave him an asterisk, which wasn't right. That was unprecedented in Major League Baseball record keeping. You know, it, it, nobody, no, nobody before that had drawn a distinction between records set in what in 154 games versus 162, and and, and Maris had the asterisk, which I, which which wasn't right. I don't think. Of course, uh, you know that this, if that asterisk holds, then of course this impacts professional football too as well, because the games went from I believe. Okay, but nobody takes records in football as 
seriously or as passionately as baseball. I agree, but I'm saying once somebody, once you want to, uh, you know, alter the idea of the record based on the amount of games played, then this is going to, right. you know, that should shake up everything. For sure. No, everything changes. Um, but, um, I mean, basketball has a lot of interesting records, you know, per game. Basketball that... I don't know if in our lifetime we're ever going to see it eclipsed, which of course has happened in your home state um, in a in a game that I believe uh, the Warriors were playing in Hershey because they had to play there. I, don't, I guess there was an idea, let, let's let the other people in Pennsylvania get to see the great team. And of course, uh, the center and incredible star of the Warriors at that time was Will Chamberlain. And Will Chamberlain, of course, in Hershey, Pennsylvania, in that game, I forgot who the uh, opposition was, scored 100 points in yes. that game. You, know, you may never see that again. Right. Now, and one could really put an asterisk there because the amount of seven-footers that were in the game right. were, was, was minimal, right? You know, right. And that really, really does, I think, glorify judges' accomplishment in that players today are clearly stronger, better trained uh, than they were in Maris's, in, in Maris's era. And yet it took this long for that record to break. I mean, you could counter some nudnik at the bar will say, yeah. The- they may David Cohen when uh, he came to the Hespid that Rav Salvechik was giving uh, for the Briskarov. Right. And, uh, the Briskarov was the Godolador. And Rav David Cohen stood up and said, I'm on the cover for the Chazonish and was picked up and was basically put on people's uh, shoulders and thrown out of the sanctuary, I, uh, in my usual fashion, will be moiche on the covered of Bob Gibson. Because right. you cannot say, if anyone who ever saw Gibson pitch, or, or Kofax, I would put Kofax. Or Kofax. Gibson, Kofax, I'll throw Carlton there. These guys are as those guys pitched with the velocity and right. the power of anyone. To, the hitting is very different, but, but I don't know if, you know, arm strength or ability to, to, but, to but I don't know what, what I read, it, isn't it, aren't 90 and hundred mile hour fastballs more common today than they used to be? Did, uh, did they have those guns then to be able to measure? I don't know. I, you know, I, you know yeah. well, anyway, I'm Mike on Gibson's cover. Judge may win the triple crown. He's, he's still, uh, I, I haven't checked the stats in a couple of days. He was leading in home runs and RBIs, and I think in uh, batting average he was number two. Maybe I, I don't. I haven't seen. Maybe he's, he's doing better. But to win the triple crown, who was the last guy that won a triple crown? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, that's astonishing. Yes, right, and and I don't know much. I'm not a Yankee person, and and I don't follow baseball as I do other sports. But I what I hear about Aaron Judge is, is that he's a stellar person. He's not Alex Rodriguez. He's a person who uh, understood who he was. He understood that he was a great, a great talent, and he was obviously highly touted coming out of uh, of high school. And he has foundations. He definitely seems to be doing all the right things. And it, it wouldn't be such a bad thing for our kids to have a '99 poster uh, in their bedrooms and say, "Yeah, I want to." You know, Aaron Judge. He's somebody that you can look up to. Of course, he is gigantic. And say right, he's quite, quite, quite tall as a person. But again, I, I think we can, you know, use this, and this is what I'm waiting for you to, to expound on how, you know, it isn't sacrilege to want to pass our, 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 our predecessors. 
you know, I think, uh, you know, even in, in, inside the traditional Torah world, we always said, Niskat no Daitis, right? We're not, you know, uh, we're, we're getting less and less. But there was also a subtext to that, which was, and I used to hear this more, that as we get closer to Mashiach, that there are fonts of wisdom open to us that weren't necessarily open to previous generations. And that's, that's more of a Kabbalistic idea. And, and you know, that, uh, that there's a uh, expansion of, of certain knowledge in some areas. But we always said on Masayiki, we always said, you know, you should just strive, uh, you know, for, for great heights. Uh, we often bemoan the descent. On the other hand, uh, there are many ways which the Torah world today is um, is more successful and more uh, and more pervasive than it was in Europe. I mean, you know, uh, right? You know, Clearly, the, the the percentage of people learning. We've talked about this, yeah, uh, and how technology and publishing and everything has has made it accessible. But you're right. We we usually say Rishonim kum as the Gemara says Rishonim kum alochim. But but I think really whether it's mystical like Rav Cook or very I think beautiful like Rav Kreisberg said Rav Kreisberg said that this that we say is in terms of Havana Satira. Um, and even there, perhaps we could give an argument that that's not the case. Um, we know there's definitely been like mutants, like the Vilna Gon or Chaim Brisker, in other words, who seem to have clearly been, you know, out of this, out of their time in terms of their understanding. But I, but I would, what Chaim Kreisworth said, is that in Chesed, we can be greater. That we have the potential in Maisach Sodim to actually go further than what the Avli Seinu had done. We can we can push that envelope. You know, I guess we have to balance this. I mean, we 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 don't want people to be have an exaggerated sense of their self confidence. <laughs> but on the other hand, uh, we, we, you know, we have to give that positive message of you know you can be like judge. You can right. actually you can actually push yourself in an honest way and accomplish more than others have done. I mean, I I, I think one of the Yeshivas at their best, right, do encourage that kind of very positive kinesiphon where, where, where you are motivated, you know, to, to, to reach great heights, to be, you know, especially amongst those who are quite talented and, and, and hardworking, to, uh, to, to reach great heights, that you don't, you don't feel bound by limitations of generation. You do believe you have the capacity you know, to to be machadish, you have the capacity certainly to understand and and the capacity to be uh, you know to be innovative. And I, I I think that yeshivas do that. I think. I mean, they did in our day. Yeah, you know, it, but you know, the, the balance I think here is, you know, to, to, to use the Isaac Newton metaphor, which I think goes back to Socrates, uh, which is you standing on the shoulders of giants. If I could see more, it's because I stood on the shoulders of giants. I don't see that as much. Now, let, let, let me explain what I mean. I, I think that the young generation recognizes the taste and the sevens. They understand that they're going to be saying things based on Rishonim Achrenim, but I don't see them necessarily looking at 
you know, the, just the generation that spawned them, <laughs> the, the generation just preceding them. There is there's a hallowing of the generation and with the, the generations of the pre-war and maybe even of the Rosh Hashivas that we grew up with, Ramesha Feinstein, the Mulavich Rebbe in some sense, uh, Satmarov, Rabbi Yakin Kamenetsky, but their parents, there's almost like, again, and maybe this has been happening for a long time, there isn't necessarily a, a sense that the people of, uh, of our age, uh, people like, our, again, you, 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 I see it in the yeshiva lights, the 20-year-olds of today, the 25-year-olds, there is a, there's almost like, okay, who are you? Venerating, venerating the Europeans. And therefore it's possible that by doing that, we limited the capacity for the next generation to be honored. Uh, and, and that's very possible. Therefore the kids today, uh, young people today are more likely to venerate the people we venerated rather than the people they grew up with, their, their Rosh Hashivas. Because again, so much of the last eight decades were committed to, you know, talking about how we'll never live up to Volozhin, we'll never live up to Brisk, we'll never live up to Tells and, and, and the yeshivas of the past. That, uh, you know, that, that they represented an authenticity and, uh, uh, and an excellence that, that, that is unachievable and it's all been destroyed and we have to rebuild. So, so having, uh, having spent 80 years doing that, the collateral damage was diminishing the stature of those who've come since. I think, I guess the way the legend would go is that the Rabbeinu Shalom knew that we needed these like superstars to be able to regenerate Taira in our time. And therefore you have Rav Moshe, Rav Adin, and um, you know, of that level, you know, even Rav Henkin, who was lesser known, but still of uh, Rav Yenison Shtai. Let me ask you a question. Who's, I mean, who, who the, the Gedalim and Eretz Yisrael, can you ask you, these were all Europeans still. Many of them were born, happened to be born in Europe, yes. Yeah, they were born in Europe. I mean, who's, Gershon Edelstein, where was he born? I think he was born in Europe. It's a good point that um, even some of the venerated names from Eretz Yisrael were born in Europe. I think Eretz Yisrael has made a smoother transition um, to being Meirich, the Gedolim, even the ones that were born in Eretz Yisrael. Uh, yeah, I agree with you 100%. There's no question we are living in a time of Kimitzion Tetzay Torah. That, that, that the, the, you know, that, that the Gedalim who are, who are most highly venerated are those in Eretz Yisrael. And, and, but as our program, although we have plenty of people listening in Eretz Yisrael, and we're very grateful to that, I, I think, you know, both of us come from this North American perspective. And I think there is that vacuum, that generation in a way that was somewhat lost to generate. Like, when we think about, you know, uh, you know the Gedolim here in America, you know, a Gedolim of 40, of the ages of 40s and 50s, 60s, it, it seems to be, the number seems to be quite small. I mean, besides you and me, I can't think of anyone. <laughs> well, you know, Eli Brudny, Rav Eli Brudny is, 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 is uh, Rav Lapiansky are, are two names that, 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 uh. that that stand out. But part of it, of course, is the fact, the longevity of, 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 of the G'dayim from the previous generation, how they've been able to live that long. But I think part of it is also, you know, sort of this idea that uh, this infusion of potential possibility in the minds of our young people have in some way caused them to dismiss 
perhaps would have been dismiss uh, anyone except the Big Ten or wherever they were. Is there anyone today about whom you hear, oh, I got to hear his shear, like a Magad shear or a Russia shear and Eric Stoller here, right? When we were kids, there were people who you wanted to hear their shear. Is there anybody today you want to hear their shear? Um, again, we would have to probably poll some of our younger uh, yeah. listeners to understand that. But I, I think the nature of, of, of the yeshivas have changed a, a quite a bit. Um, you know, the, the, the phenomena that is the thousands and thousands uh, that are in Lakewood, the thousands and thousands that are in Beer, um, it, it, it's a different dynamic when you're in such a place. Right. Uh, you know, when you're in a yeshiva that caps at 200 or 300, um, there is not only a sense of community, there's a sense of, uh, of, of who's the shir that you go to. Um, there's a, 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 a common dynamic. I think that, that with the fact that in the yeshiva belt, everyone is expected to end up in Lakewood in some way, shape, or form, right? It, and, and, and it really, even Sida Shechever as well are, are there in very large numbers. What you have is an amalgam of, of different approaches, and therefore... The idea that there's going to be a magachir that's going to set the pace and set the direction is almost an impossibility. I'm not even sure if Rafaim himself, had he be had he been brought back to life, would be able uh, to be I mean, <laughs> anyway, the point is, when will we have the rabbinic Aaron judge, and what record will he have to break? Yeah, so, would we say? Again, and, and, and you know that Eretz Yisrael, is, 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 as we've said, is full of people who are walking around with thousands and thousands of block of shots in their head. What is the record that you think stands that, that people should aspire for? It's, if it's not the Tzidkas of, of Kreisworth, what is it, the Hasodim? What do you think that record should be? Somebody who's able to burst through the boundaries of their own Kihila, right? Someone who will command the respect of the Chassidah of the Misnagdim, even have a reach beyond the Haredi world. Somebody who of that stature, and that we haven't had in a long time, right? Besides Satmar, everybody except everybody respected Ramosha. Everybody. Everybody. And uh, no matter whatever he said, ruled the day. And no one would have the chutzpah to argue with him or to defy him. And to have someone who can garner respect outside their own kahila. That'll be huge. The other test, I think, the super test would be somebody who can engender a greater unity and sense of commonality in the Torah world. Somebody who can break down the boundaries in terms of Ashba and break down the boundaries in terms of bringing people together. That's the Aaron Judge record we're looking for. And, 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 And it's interesting that there were failed Aaron judges, so to speak, and 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 what caused them to fail was the era that they that they lived in, and I'm going to mention the one that your description matches to a T. Rav Avram Yitzchok Akoyin Cook, Zecher Tzadik V'Kodesh Levrocha. Rav Cook was a person who was outstanding in learning. Was not just outstanding; was off the charts brilliant, and 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 be, was able to as his chuvas and his uh, the the biurim that he left us on Shulchan Aruch attest to, um, and uh, there was an interesting uh, 
and, and, and yet he was definitely had made incredible strides in reaching beyond necessarily the Lithuanian yeah. world he was. And, and he was not able, even though that was his, his, his greatest desire was to be able to do that. Now, we know Rav Kook was abetted by, by many who were his Talmidim. One of his closest friends uh, was Rav Arye Levit, the tzaddik of Yerushalayim. Um, and it's interesting how Rav Arye uh, this was, was, was able to straddle those worlds and very much so uh, venerated because of his Messias Nefesh that he showed for the, of course, the, uh, the, the Jews that were arrested, the Jews that were put in prison, but also the Jews that laid in hospital rooms. Barry Levin was the, the face that was constantly there, the person that was listening, the person that was known for his Sidkis, for his Anivus. Um, and and Ravari was once taken to task for uh, his connection to Rav Kook. And he, and, and, he, and the person who took him to task mentioned to him all the, the, the letters and, and the Isnagdus and, and, and the fact that there were so many Rabbonim and others that were perched against him. And Ravari said, this doesn't faze me. When there's a war, we know two strong nations are at each other. The nation that wants to win tries to take out the, the major metropolitan or military complex of that other nation in order to wound it critically, in order to then proceed. The Sitra Achra, the Yetzirah, whatever you want to call it, the powers that want to stop us from reaching our Shlemus point their arrows or lasers into the strongest, into the best. That happened to the Rambam, Rav Aryeldin said. It happened to the Ramchal. And that's what's happening to Rav Kook. That all Rav Kook is really the, 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 the tower that is being attacked in order for us not to reach our shalit, even with one other anecdote, which I think you will find beautiful. We know that Rav Aryeh, of course, was the father in law of Rav Yoshev, and Rav Kook was the shatchan for Rav Yoshev's uh, relationship. Of course, uh, and that relation, of course, goes down to Rav Chaim Kagevsky, who we were talking about before. Um, because Rebel Yoshev's daughter, uh, Bacheva, marries Rav Chaim Kagevsky. Uh, and this was all really in, in, in the mind of, in a sense, in the mind of Rav Kook. Now, um, so Rebel Yoshev has a relationship to Rav Kook. Many, many years later, an editor of who was working on the Oitzim of at Talmud of one of their works, um, and, and they work very hard, and they are part of the reasons why this new generation is able to arm themselves <laughs> with the steroids of Svarim and Myra Mekayimus and sound like tremendous Rosh Hashivas in the snap of a finger. Well, one of these editors who was doing Abedus Hakodesh refused when he was, it was it was sent to him to include the Hezber, the Teretz, or, or Myra Mokum to Rav Kook. Yeah. When Rav Buxbaum, who was the uber editor of the, this, this uh, Oitzer, saw that his, his under-editor didn't do that, he fired him. Well, the under-editor took Rav Buxbaum and Mahon Yerushalayim in general to right. Dinkaira for being dismissed without cause. He, they agreed that they would go to Rav Yoshev as a Yochid Mumcher. 
<laughs> well, that was a mistake. <laughs> because when Rebel Yoshev heard what had occurred, he said, hmm, you, didn't, you felt that you didn't want to put Rav Kook there because you felt it was a bazillion to the Sefer to have the name of someone who negative things were implied about. That's, that's your terrorist, that you felt not so much that the Vart wasn't true, but you felt that it would take away from the Sefer's being accepted and understood and accepted. He said, I want you to know that Rav Kook was a Kodesh Elyoy, Rav Yoshev said, but he was not from this Kufa. He was from a, it's almost like he existed here, but he was beyond the time that he existed. So he was, he was, and, and therefore people didn't understand what his Kedusha was. And he says, you're, he says, you can't get your job back. And if I was in Rav Buxbaum, I would have fired you even quicker for that. There was sort of a little bit of that going on in the throes of COVID. Didn't you feel that there was something like that happening here? Yeah. There, there was there was a sense of the barriers breaking and the sense of listen I, I listen I, I I believe I'm not a pessimist I, I you know I think there are a lot of positive trends and uh, out there that go unnoticed and uh, and I think that there's lots of reasons to be hopeful for tough shape Gimmel and uh, and I think the uh, uh, there's a greater willingness uh, on the part of leaders to acknowledge fault and there's a greater uh, willingness to see the positive in other kehillas, uh, uh, you know, a respect by Hasidim for the Lidfisher world and a respect in the Lidfisher world for the Hasidisha world. I really think that there's a that that there's a lot to build on, and I believe that we're we, that as that as much as we love to focus on the negative distractions uh, that that come up all too frequently. Uh, but we're, they're distractions, and I think there's a lot of good. Let's all rise for in, in, in respect and honor of what is being done for Klal Yisrael. And Mir be encouraging to the point that we can look back and say, yes, yes, I remember when that was not the case. The records themselves definitely will be broken. Take care, my friends. Be well. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. Thank you.